Italy, they have such an understanding of each ingredient and how each ingredient contributes to to each dish and the sustainability aspect of it. And I really wanted to come back to Los Angeles to merge both of those two ideas. And that's how Tattoo Chef really came to be. I really wanted to create a brand that changed the way we eat and helps us feel a little bit more connected to each other and the world that we share. And I'm hoping that that is what we're doing today at Tattoo Chef. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am very, very honored to have Sarah Galetti joining me today. She is the founder of Tattooed Chef. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I can't wait for you to tell us all about Tattooed Chef. Thank you so much for having me, Christy. I'm super stoked to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Why don't we start with you just giving us a little bit of background on you and how you wound up as the founder of a brand? Yeah. My whole life have been very creative. That is where I love to be in the creative space. I have been a musician at a very young age and I went to film school. And after coming out of film school and being in a few bands, I was really trying to find my next place, my next route, where I was going to be. And I went traveling in Italy and I reconnected with my Italian roots and I really connected to the people there. I really connected to the food and the culture and there's just an amazing camaraderie. And I started working at a pasticceria and I started working at a gelateria in Calabria. It was very fun memories. And the families really took me in and taught me their recipes. And again, there was so much camaraderie that I really knew that I wanted to be in that space. Also in Italy, they have such an understanding of each ingredient and how each ingredient contributes to to each dish and the sustainability aspect of it. And I really wanted to come back to Los Angeles to merge both of those two ideas. And that's how Tattoo Chef really came to be. I really wanted to create a brand that changed the way we eat and helps us feel a little bit more connected to each other and the world that we share. And I'm hoping that that is what we're doing today at Tattoo Chef. That's amazing. So your story is interesting because coming from a creative background, musician, artist, how do you wind up starting a food brand? Like what was the point where you said, okay, that's not what I'm going to do anymore. This is what I'm going to do. And did you know at the time what it was going to be like to do that? Or were you just sort of like, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to figure it out as I go? Yeah, that's a great question. I really think that I grew up in a kitchen. I am Italian. I'm 100% Italian. Both my parents are Italian. So I very much grew up in the kitchen and I cooked with my grandmother at a very early age. So food has always been a part of me. A lot of my upbringing has been steeped in that culture of food. So it's always been there. And then moving forward, it was, to me, music and film, photography, and cooking. They're all very similar outlets. There's such a synergy with all of that creativity. So I knew that if I wasn't going to be make it in a band or make it as a director, that I could definitely put myself into food and be successful in that space. 
I've always understood it at a very young age. So I knew that it was where I could develop recipes, formulas. Also on top of that, my father has been in the industry for 30 years. He's been in manufacturing business for a really long time. And I would pop my head in and out when he was doing his thing. And I would be like, hey, dad, how's it going? Like, what's what are you up to today? And so I would kind of help him out uh, once in a while and while I was finding myself. And it just really happened where everything came together at the right time when it needed to. It was like I created a food brand when it needed to be created at the right time when plant-based food needed to be in supermarkets. It all came together. So talk about that. First of all, what year did Tattooed Chef become a brand? When did you actually start the brand? So 2017, when it was created, I had a dream about the logo. I had a dream about products that I wanted to share. I had a dream of how the packaging was going to look. I just had this like sense that if we got it on the shelves, that people were really going to feel drawn to it. And 2017, it was created, 2018 came around and we got manufacturing facilities and we really wanted to put ourselves out there. And we got a few SKUs. We were mainly in club. That's where we started. Wow. That's interesting. That's a unique way to go. It is. We went backwards a little bit, not backwards. It was just, we started with club first and And it was succeeding in the club channel, which is wild. And then when we started to trickle more into retail and then we became public and we were able to really put our brand out there in a bigger way and take over more shelf space, which we're doing today. We have over 16,000 points of distribution. Wow. Yeah, it is wild. So started a club channel and people really started to connect to the brand it really was an identity for them and they understood what our mission was we really wanted to bring plant-based to the masses and club was the first to have us on their shelves so yeah that's really interesting i mean that's definitely the opposite of how most people who are doing something like what you're doing because you're doing plant-based the amount of people that start that kind of business in the natural channel far exceeds people who start in conventional or especially club. So that's interesting. What made you go to club first? Was there something that you knew about that? Or it's just such an interesting decision and and it obviously worked out. Yeah, it was really brilliant of my father. He understood that we have a brand, we're a privately owned company, and he understood the dollars that goes behind being in retail and clubs a little bit different. And so he knew that we could connect the same way that we needed to with club channels for consumers that we, with this brand. So that's why we went there first. And we create products that are very familiar. Our plant-based products are enchiladas, pizza, and mac and cheese. And I think that that's really where a lot of our success comes from is because we create nostalgic innovation. Nostalgic innovation is we're creating very tasty plant-based products that people really understand. And I think that that's why it's been working. And that's why it worked at club is because people know what a pizza is. People know what enchiladas are. People know what mac and cheese is. So I think that that's really where we were able to connect 
And then our packaging really popped at the time. I think a lot of people are changing. They kind of saw maybe a little bit of what we were doing. And now you're seeing more of our kind of aesthetic out there. But at the time, you know, people were just pulling our stuff off the shelves because it was so different. I think it still is very different. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, so it was very brilliant of my father to decide to go into Club Channel first. So interesting. First of all, nostalgic innovation is one of my favorite things that I've heard recently because it's such an oxymoron. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. It's amazing. Yes. yes. But it's smart so because you are, you're taking something familiar and you're making it relevant to what people are actually looking for today. So I love that because that means you already have people who get it, right? And are saying, oh, I could try that because I like that already. And maybe this version of it'll be good. When you talk about your packaging, what did you think was so unique about it? Like what's different about what you're doing than what you see in more traditional brands? I think our photography is very different. I think we capture the product. Like we really like to make it seem editorial. Like it's just the food needs to look really good. And I think a lot of the times people are, are taking pictures where you can't really see the food. It's dark you know, our packaging feels very vibrant. I think our packaging feels very new. And I think with the frozen set that's in there today, a lot of people don't feel very confident, like sporting that other people's packaging. But with our packaging, I feel like people felt very proud to sport our packaging in their cart because it is very trendy. It is. It It feels really modern. It really does. Yes. Very vibrant. You can see the food, you know what you're going to get. We always focus on our call outs. Like our calls are always very important. The ingredients that we use are always very important to communicate on our packaging as well. That's been very important where people see it right away. Yeah. I'm curious to know if you think that starting in club drove enough demand or at least gave you enough data about demand to go to the conventional channels and the natural channels and get into the frozen food section, which is small, right? It's still small and it's still a tough section. So how did you prove your value to those guys? Was it because of what you did in club and your success there? I think there's part of that. Yes. But I think that we're bringing innovation. I think we're bringing different products. I think we're bringing items that people really want to consume. I think we're bringing flavor. So I think that being in the club channel helped us for sure. But I think that there are so many other elements as to why we were able to get onto the shelves in retail. And that is innovation. It is taste. Our product tastes delicious. You don't have to trade off in any way. I mean, I think there's a massive misconception with plant-based food that it doesn't taste good. And let me tell you, our products really taste good and hey, it's better for you. And I think that that's really why we've been able to build out our success in retail today as well. So talk about the misperceptions that people have about frozen and how that's changing, because I think, you know, five years ago, frozen aisle had such a bad rap and undeserved, but it did. And the stuff that was in there was bad. But now it's definitely changing. And I feel like you're a big part of that. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because you decided on Frozen, right? You didn't try to make a different kind of brand. You made a Frozen brand. So what was that about? Yes. So I believe, yes, there is definitely a misconception that Frozen is not as good for you. And I think what we're really trying to do is change that. Our ingredients are clean. Our ingredients are, I think there's a misconception that it's higher in sodium. I think that there's, people think that there's more calories, but with ours, I'm crazy about nutritional panels. Like I really want to make sure that somebody is getting 
all the nutrients that they need and feel confident in what they're eating. So people also think that frozen is not as fresh. That is not true. I mean, there's so much data out there today where we capture products from the fields and we're freezing them right away and packing them right away. It locks in all of its nutrients. And I think also it's last, it lasts longer for people too. There's like, there's minimal waste involved when you're in frozen space as well. So I think our products are changing the way that we consume. Definitely. It's the flavor, the NFPs, the little ingredients that we're putting in. I think also when you look at meat alternatives, mm-hmm. people are scared with meat alternatives because they read the ingredients in there's a ton of ingredients that people don't understand with ours. You know what you're consuming. You can see the ingredients that are in our meat alternatives and be like, yes, I know what that is. And I feel more confident in eating that product. So yes. I mean, I do look forward to growing outside the frozen as well. Frozen has been amazing. I do look forward to getting into the ambient area and getting into fresh as well. Interesting. So talk about where you guys are now and where you want to be in five years. Now you're talking about real innovation outside frozen. What's your goal for the brand actually? Our goal is to continue to innovate, expand outside the frozen category, and just continue to connect with as many people as we possibly can. Continue working on ourselves in communicating where we want to be as far as sustainability goes. I mean, that pretty much sums it up, but we have really big, exciting ideas for the future that I can't wait to really share with the world because I am very passionate about so many things in life that I can't wait to communicate them further with others. But we are coming out with a brain fuel oat butter bar, which I'm really excited about. That's Um, awesome. Yes, there are four SKUs. And it's oat butter based and it has adaptogens in it, which really helps mental health and just like promotes mental balance and is a stress reliever. We're really excited about this new product. On top of that, we're coming out with our alternative chips, which I'm really excited about because I really believe that there's so many alternative chips out there today that don't tap into that nostalgia. And I really believe that our chips are going to tap into that nostalgia and they're also an alternative. You're expanding a lot. Have you raised capital already? So we have through going public, we have. You you mentioned that you said you're public. Okay. We have $200 million of M&A. Okay. So, So we've been focusing on just acquiring more facilities to manufacture because we really care about being the manufacturers of our products because we're able to be more in control and control our destiny. Mm -hmm. So we, since going public, we have purchased a manufacturing facility in Ohio and New Mexico. That's where we're making our bars and we're making our chips as well. So we've just been continuing to expand capabilities and capacity is really what we're focusing on is capabilities and capacity. That's so interesting. Can you talk a little bit about the decision to go public? Because you're a young brand to have made that decision. And that's very different than most of the brands that we hear from. So what made you decide to do that? And how do you feel about it having done it? Is it more pressure, less pressure? Does it feel like, I mean, it sounds like 
the great part about it is you raise a lot of capital quickly. Are there trade-offs to that? I think there are trade-offs with everything. Yeah. But I right. think overall, I'm very excited and happy with the decision to go public because we're able to connect with more people. Mm-hmm. We're able to expand and get the brand out there in a bigger way. I don't know if we would have been able to really get out there in the way that we are able to today and get our messaging across if we didn't go public. Of course, there's stresses. I want to please everybody. Yeah. (laughs) And I want to do a very good job for everybody. There are a lot of people out there that have invested and I want to make sure that I am listening to them, hearing them, and just continuing to do what I can for this brand and for those who are a part of it. There's definitely stresses. It happens, but there are always stresses. Even when we were a privately owned company, there are a lot of stresses. I mean, being an entrepreneur is stressful. There's no doubt about it. I feel like if people are listening and they don't want stress, this is definitely not the place to go, right? It's (laughs) going to be stressful. There are challenges, right? Yes. And sometimes that's when the best work happens though, I believe. Like when you're really pushed to those moments, I really believe that that's when the best moments really happen and you see things quicker and you push harder and you make things happen faster. And that's where I kind of like it. You know, I kind of thrive on that sometimes. It's so interesting that you said that because I couldn't agree with you more, but I feel like a lot of people don't have the stomach for it. Like I was just on the phone with one of my creative teams and we were talking about pressure and idea generating and they were like, but it's, it feels so frustrating right now. And I was like, awesome. Like that's the best time. That means something amazing is about to happen. You're feeling under pressure and you're feeling stress. And if you keep pushing, that's how people get to great ideas, great things. And I think that's the part that's hard to understand because sometimes that's a place where people give up, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well said. Yes, exactly. You have to keep going. You, you can't, you can't stop. It's true. Like right there. That's when you push that little extra, you're going to get that, that little bit that you needed. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard though. I mean, that's hard for people. I think what gets you through, like if you get to a place where you're frustrated and whatever you wanted to happen, isn't happening either on your timeline or within your budget or whatever it is, or the idea isn't, you're not be able to get through to people. What do you do to keep yourself going and not get discouraged? I love nature. So I really will just take a minute and go outside, walk barefoot in the grass, hang out with the bees and hang out with the hummingbirds. And then after 15 minutes, come back in and feel like I have a new push or a new outlook. So it's really for me, like just like stopping for a minute, for a couple minutes, 10, 15 minutes and just regrounding myself and reconnecting with myself to then be able to go to the next step. That doesn't even sound like you don't have to go on a trip. You don't have to go to a (laughs) seminar. (laughs) You just get to go in the grass. I mean, that's pretty awesome that you can do it that way. Um, Do you grounding? Yeah. Literally grounding. Yes. 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 When you started the business, I mean, you were starting it and you didn't, I mean, you had a background because of your family, but you really didn't have a background in starting a food business. So who did you turn to aside from your dad for advice, or did you really just sort of stay in a small sort of circle of advisors? 
Yeah, my dad definitely is the best when it comes to advice. And he has been in the industry for a very, very long time. And obviously, we did this together. This was definitely something that we did together. And um, he was very important in supporting my passion and supporting my idea and what I wanted to do. I think that that was the greatest gift is like somebody just saying, you know what, Sarah, that sounds incredible. Let's go do it. And let's see where this goes. And like just having that support and somebody there to communicate and connect with on ideas was everything. My family is so supportive. My mom and my dad both are my best friends. They're young. And so it's just, I love to be around them and they've been really important supporters throughout this process. It's not easy. Again, it hasn't been an easy road, but if it were, then we wouldn't be learning anything. Mm -hmm. And throughout this experience, we've learned so much and we've grown so much together as well. My dad really has been that person for me and my mom, even though she's not in business, but she's been there to just support. And then the people obviously that you meet along the way, there's always somebody that you're meeting and you're like, Hey, yeah, let's do that. Let's connect. Let's do that. And I think also my experiences in Italy and being in the camaraderie of what these small families were doing to build their business, like stayed with me as well. I saw how hard they were working, how important their food was to them, how they would market just everything. I think that stayed with me. That's really cool. You know, you have, like you said, 16,000 points of distribution. That's a lot. Are you guys supporting the retailers that you're in? Like, what do you do to make sure that your velocities are where they need to be so that you keep your distribution and then you can go on to get more? Yeah. So I feel like my chief growth officer will have more background on that. But personally, we are just such huge supporters with our retailers. And I think they're just taking a chance on the second leading brand. I mean, what's crazy is that we've become the second brand in Frozen today, right under Amy's, which is amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. That's fast, fast growth. It is very fast growth. And obviously we have a budget that we've allocated to support the retailers and they're very excited about our marketing efforts as well, because we are really pushing the brand out there. We have some great partnerships that are coming up. So yeah, I would love to have more information on how I can communicate that through, but Matt, our chief growth officer, communicates that the best. That's amazing. Obviously, you have also, that's something else to talk about. You have a great team, right? I mean, you've obviously surrounded yourself with good people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have a phenomenal team. It's funny because we were a privately owned company and we're a family, but then we became public and so many other people we started hiring, but, and it still feels like this family. We are all hanging out with each other all the time. They are so supportive. They all believe in this brand and we're so lucky to have the team that we have like so lucky. I love them all so much. That's amazing. I'm curious how you did during the pandemic. How did that affect your business? Did it actually accelerate your growth? Did it slow you guys down? Uh, We believe that, you know, because people were at home more that it did help a bit. At the end of the day, people need to eat. I think also because we were also just growing in general, that is kind of hard to quantify, but I definitely think that it helped us in a way. 
I think also because we are the manufacturers of our products, we were able to, you know, there was a lot of supply issues, but because we were the manufacturers, we didn't have those issues and we were able to get our products on the shelves a lot quicker, a lot faster. And so it seemed like it was going okay for us. That's pretty awesome because the one conversation I've had probably more than any other over the past five or six months is supply chain. I mean, the issues are staggering. The costs are ridiculous and it's really yeah. hurt a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the, the cost for, for freight and stuff has been insane. Definitely. Yeah. But when pandemic first started, we were doing okay. And now obviously costs have changed. Mm -hmm. I think different, but yeah. Yeah. Any advice you'd give to people who are thinking about doing what you did and making a really big shift or starting a business? Like, what would you tell them that they need to know? I would say that authenticity is crucial in sustaining a successful company because it's the foundation. And I think also to just never lose sight of what makes you different. I think that those are just very important, just integrity just integrity and authenticity. I can't express that enough. You know, it sounds like you're also very mission-driven, which feels like when things are tough, like you could always at least go back to that. Like you're doing something for a reason that matters a lot to you. I know a lot of people start businesses and companies because they want to make money. And I wonder if that sometimes just isn't enough. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really about connecting. I really, and making a difference. I really want to make food that people enjoy and also have an impact on the way that we look at the world and what it's doing to it. And I think that that's just been very important for me. That is what gets me up every morning is knowing that I get to make awesome, delicious items for people that get to try it. And also, hey, it's better for you and better for the planet. That's amazing. Amazing. And I would imagine um, you have lots of fans that are also have become advocates for your brand because you do have so much passion about what you're doing and the stuff you're making is incredible. And I'm sure there are people that are just organically helping you grow. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think so too. I think people are really seeing what we're doing and they get it. And that makes me so happy and excited whenever I get emails from people saying, Oh my God, Sarah, your food is delicious. And it's changed the way that I eat in the morning. And like my son, it was hard to like make food for him really quick in the morning, but now I could just throw in, you know, this product in the microwave, in the oven, on the skillet, and it's ready. And I love that. That's what keeps me going are those moments. Yeah. That's an incredible thing to be able to do. And I mean, really hard thing to do, but also incredible gift. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? I mean, you've been so generous with your time and also sharing all the things about the business and how you did it. Very inspiring. But anything you'd like to leave us with? or I think I would just say that, you know, one small decision can greatly impact the trajectory of your life positively and that all the little decisions accumulate to one impactful result. I think that, you know, people always second guess themselves all the time. And I think if you just make that decision, that one decision can really greatly positively impact your life. That's awesome. Do you ever, it sounds like you don't, but do you ever make the decision and then say, oh shit, what did I do? Why did I do that? I don't know if that was the right thing to do. Does that happen to you or you just don't even look back? I don't 
look back. I think that I definitely grow from the decisions that I make, but I don't question the decisions that I've made. And I would imagine like everyone, you've made mistakes or you've learned. It sounds like you would frame it as I've learned. I've learned and I've grown. That's what I'd like to say, because, you know, I think that mistakes can be negative and I don't think that anything has been negative. I think everything has been positive, but I've definitely learned and grown from choices that I've made. Yeah. I think that's a great way to frame it. And I think as an entrepreneur, if you don't, you're in for a hard road, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And to just like notice too, like, I think a lot of people aren't willing to be open to change or to growth. And I think that to just sit for a moment and be open to that is so important for life. It's almost like what we were talking about before, like when you're having those moments where you're challenged, like just being open to what solutions could be instead of thinking, you know, it feels like that's the only way to get to those better places is just by sort of opening yourself and you don't have to make crazy decisions, but you have to sort of, I think, just be present and let them in. It's so true. I, I so agree with that because we as humans have to listen to the pings that we're getting. I don't think we do enough. I think we're just like so full steam ahead. But if we take a moment and like we get a ping, then stop and say, well, where is that coming from? Maybe I need to expand on this. Maybe I need to listen to this. And I think if we do that more, then we're going to be so much more in tune to ourselves and also everybody else. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's profound, actually. And I love it because I think it's beyond starting a business. It's just about living and being open to things and finding your way to better places. I love it. I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sarah. I love this interview so much. And I think that our listeners are going to be so happy to hear all the things that you're talking about, and hopefully they'll get to try your brand and become big fans as well. Oh, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.